0: A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. And good afternoon to all. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. This week, the world over, we Christians will be celebrating Holy Week, the remembrance of the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our Jewish friends will be celebrating the Feast of Passover, which began last Saturday, and continues through Sunday of this week. Passover is a remembrance of the Passover when the angel of death passed over the Israelites during the 10th plague. This year, the convergence of these two events is particularly interesting as we begin to come out of the COVID pandemic. Today, thanks to Donald Trump, millions of people are being inoculated daily against COVID-19. And today, after 15 months of hand-wringing, hand-washing, mask-wearing, We are now at 30 million cases, which, interestingly, is approximately half the number of cases when H1N1 was around during the Obama-Biden administration in a far less short period of time. There are actually 60 million cases of that, and it's almost like no one cared about people dying of H1N1. But I can say one thing that has come out of COVID is how much we desire, want, and need togetherness. With a new sense of openness, families are planning large Easter and Passover celebrations. I was having lunch today with my friend, Larry Lewis, and he shared stories of Passover's past when as many as 50 family members would gather to share the Seder dinner. Last year, due to COVID, it was canceled. I jokingly asked, why, don't Jews go to Walmart? You could have had it there with no problem of getting COVID, and he laughed. That's the craziness of the COVID. Families and church members can't gather because it's too risky, but if you go to Walmart or Costco, it's okay. You can't go to the beach, a park, or a swimming pool, but you can go to a liquor store. You can't stand next to someone in the airport, but you can touch elbows with them in an airplane. Does any of this sound completely insane? It should, because it is, and leave it to liberals to take the science out of science. But let's go back to an earlier period, the time of Jesus Christ. For my younger listeners, you're just going to have to believe me when I tell you these things. Take it on faith that what I'm telling you is true. I can't show it to you because there were no movies or talking pictures or iTunes in the time of Christ. You're literally going to have to just trust me. So these are the things that didn't exist at the time of Jesus Christ in 33 AD. There were no phones, no iPhones. Not even house phones. There were no cars. There was no internet. There were no computers. There were no cameras or iPhones with cameras. There were no airplanes. No bottled water. No fast food. No Smoothie Kings. No sushi restaurants. It was pretty bleak. The rich people didn't even have running water. There was no hot water for anyone. So, when you think about washing your hands with Purell, give that some thought. But it's interesting. Who was this Christ guy? Well, let's think of him in today's terms. He was a combination of LeBron James, Lady Gaga, Cardi B, and Simon Cowell. Actually, I'm kidding. He was bigger than all of those people combined. Jesus Christ was both universally loved and disliked. The elites and they had elites back in those days, hated him because he brought the truth to everyone. He didn't discriminate. He didn't care if you were white or black, brown or green. He didn't care if you were Jewish or Gentile, Samarian or Samaritan. Jesus actually loved everyone and wanted everyone to enjoy their life. He didn't label people. He stood up for the poor and disenfranchised, and he called out all those who lorded their authority of position over others. He was not only among us, but he was one of us, and he believed that all lives matter. So what was so impressive about this man that two thousand twenty-one years later, we're still celebrating his life, death, and resurrection? Well, if you've seen pictures, he was an attractive man. He was pretty smart. He didn't make a lot of money. He was a carpenter's son, which leads us to believe he was probably a carpenter. He didn't have a lot of friends, but he did have some good times. And certainly the wedding at Cana was one of those. In fact, at the end, his friends kind of bailed on him when things got a little dicey. Have you ever had that happen to you? Will your friends kind of bail on you when maybe things aren't going your way? Or the cops show up and say, hey, are you with that guy? And you respond, who, me? Never seen that dude before. As far as we know, Christ never got married. He didn't have a TV show called Keeping Up with the Josephsons on cable. He didn't have a wacky family. He was pretty straight down the middle of the fairway. He was a mama's boy, and he had some pretty cool tricks like turning rocks into bread and water into wine. But what was it about him that made 12 people drop everything they were doing to follow him? Think about that for a second. Is there anyone in your life that you've met, past or present, for whom you would literally drop everything and your spouse doesn't count? I can't. I have a great many friends who I truly believe I would defend to the death, but it would probably have to be scheduled. Today, there are more than 2.5 billion Christians around the world. It is, and continues to be, the world's largest religion. Of those Christians, approximately 1.2 billion are Catholic, or about 50%. In the Catholic faith, we describe ourselves as being apostolic, and that means that we believe we are direct descendants of the apostles, those first 12 men to drop everything and follow Jesus Christ. So let's talk about these first 12 men. Were they the leading thinkers of their day? Were they well-liked? Did they stand out in any particular way? Well, if they did, it wasn't because they were what you would put together as your A-team. I actually heard a priest once say they say that of the 12 apostles, Peter was probably number six in intelligence, and that's why he was called the Rock. But I laugh about that because Christ was clearly a fisher of men. And when you think about the first four that come to mind, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were all fishermen. But they weren't just fishermen. They were business owners. They owned several boats and had lots of employees. They were basically today what we would call entrepreneurs. And Thomas, Nathaniel, and Philip may also have been fishermen because they were all together when Jesus reappeared to them after the resurrection. Matthew, who was called Levi, was a tax collector for the Roman government. Yeah, those Romans, the guys that put Jesus to death. Matthew made a lot of money and was probably the richest. Not unlike today's tax collectors, he got paid a percentage for what he collected. Pretty sweet. So he was motivated. And it's kind of believed that he would have been underwriting Jesus' ministry with his funds. Simon is my favorite. He was what's called a zealot. How cool is that? I mean, it's not really a profession. But zealots in those days engaged in politics and anarchy, attempting to overthrow the Roman government. In today's vernacular, you might think of us Trump supporters. He changes zealousness from politics to Jesus. My least favorite was Judas. This guy was bad news and everybody knew it. He was the treasurer in Jesus' band of men. He was the guy with the money bag. He was also a well known embezzler. The others we don't know much about Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Thaddeus of James. We do know Paul was a Pharisee and worked as a tent maker. In those times, many were living in the desert, and I'm sure he did pretty well. And I'm sure, if you, like any Jew, if you ask him, are you comfortable? He might reply, it's a living. Sorry about that. These 12 men Jesus decided to start this new covenant with were not deleting anything. Just 12 pretty nice guys, except for Judas, who was a jackass. But we all have someone we hang out with that everyone knows is a jackass. We just tolerate him until we don't. So after the death of Judas, he adds one more, Matthias. And these 12 men, and remember the number 12 was important because it represented the 12 tribes of Israel, were sent out in pairs to spread the good news after Jesus' death. So imagine that 12 men. That's the same number that they carry on an NBA basketball team. And 12 men over 2,000 years have been able to convince over 2.5 billion people to follow this man, Jesus Christ whom they never knew. By comparison, Facebook is about the same size, but I don't think anyone is prepared to die for Mark Zuckerberg. Think of Jesus' followers as Faithbook and Zuckerbergers as Facebook. Facebook is all about what you can see and still don't believe. Faithbook is about what you can't see but still believe. So we begin this week, this walk of faith, both Jews and Christians alike. We celebrate and we remember. For Catholics, we began this week with Palm Sunday, the triumphant return of Jesus to Jerusalem. Perhaps not what some of his followers wanted as he came in riding an ass. This would begin the week of his final earthly journey. This week we celebrate the Tritium, a word my mother could never say. These three days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, continuing through Easter Sunday, This is when, needless to say, this above all other holidays, Advent, Christmas, Lent, this is the Super Bowl of Christian life. Christ defeats death, and he offers each of us eternal salvation. For my Jewish friends, the road's been a little harder. Today, after 2,000 years, their numbers from the eve of the destruction of the temple have grown from about 4.5 million to about 14 million. I'm reminded of the story of the faithful Jewish man who went to the wailing wall in Jerusalem to pray every day. After many years, he passed away and was immediately greeted by God the Father at the pearly gates. God embraced him and welcomed him. After he had relaxed, God said, I must say, I was so impressed with your commitment to your faith and your prayerful life. What was it like praying each day at the wailing wall? The man smiled and looked at God and said, What do you think? It was like talking to a freaking wall. On a serious note, this is the time when all of our Jewish brethren remember those who have gone before them, historic people upon which all of our Judeo-Christian values are based, specifically the story of Exodus, where God freed them from slavery. There has never been a more persecuted religious group on earth than the Jewish faith. It is why I so fervently support Israel in thought, prayers, and financially. These are the people we are joined with in the Old and New Covenant. For me and my beautiful wife, we will spend our Easter and Tritium together. Our kids are spread far and wide. So as we have with the entire COVID period, we will be doing things we enjoy and like to do together. We will start out Thursday in Port O'Connor, and like the early apostles, we will go fishing with a dear friend Friday morning. Friday is a holiday, Good Friday, and the money changers will be closed. From there, we'll be going to our country place enjoying, hopefully, redfish on the half shell. Saturday is a crawfish boil, and Sunday will be mass in Dimebox, Texas, followed by a lovely luncheon with our friends, the Wrens. We will, of course, remember those who have gone before us. This will be our first Easter without our dear friend Barry Wren, another first in the year of his death. We will join his family in comfort because that's what families do. I love this Holy Week. It's a week of remembrance, renewal, and rejuvenation. It's a time to remember the reason for the season. It is when we can all participate in the glory of the resurrection. When we celebrate the Catholic Mass, we remember. While remember means to many to remember in thought, for us as Christians and Jews, it's a time to re-member. That is to gather again with those who have gone before us and celebrate those sacred rituals that have been celebrated since the time of the early Jews and Christians. On behalf of my wife, Laurel, and me and all of our children, family, and friends, I wish you a sacred and happy Easter season. And as you remember with your family this weekend, please remember that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. I'm Jeb Bashaw, And this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.